I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words Betting Podcast. Uh, no DraftKings podcast this week. Me and Matt decided uh, that it wasn't really worth doing for the Tour Championship. Bit of a weird uh, strategy for that. Not one that either of us are personally going to play in. Therefore, we didn't want to kind of give information based on you know what we were not playing ourselves. So um, with that said, Matt is joining us, uh, me and Jason, for the Betting Podcast tonight. So Matt, hello, first of all. Hey, guys. Uh yeah, no draftings this week. It's really a terrible event in a lot of ways. So, and there's a lot, you know, not many great ways to bet it. So I figure I don't typically bet the European tour, but it might be a good week to start so I can actually enjoy a full field tournament. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's the way forward. And Jace, hello again. Good evening. You all right? Yeah, good. Good to have you back on and good to have Matt joining us for the betting show. I think potentially for the first time as a group. I think we've done it before, haven't we, Matt, where we've kind of blended the two uh, into one show but it's your first as a group so looking forward to this but we'll start off with a little bit of a recap as we normally do um bmw championship matt another opportunity for scotty scheffler and uh doesn't get it done is that yeah. his fault or is that hovland though i mean it's a little bit of both like i still think he should have made that par putt on on 17 that six footer that he, sh- he should have made and hovland went and took it no doubt about it but should he be in even been in position to do that i'm not sure with the way scotty kind of hit the ball uh, missed a couple short putts but he did make it make a long one um in the end i do think hovland went and took it but i think the cumulative of scheffler doing this so many times over the course of the year and ending the season with only two wins considering how historic that ball striking uh run was was a disappointment and that and that even if he wins the tour championship i don't it makes no difference to me it's a disappointment yeah, I I tend to agree. Um, I think it's one of those ones as well, Jason, with Scotty Scheffler, where you see him break through him with a major last season. He looks for the world like the best T-screen player for so long, and we get carried away thinking he's going to win two or three majors in a season, follow that up, and he doesn't do it. Like probably a little bit of a warning of of not to expect too much every every year from the same players, I guess. I've said it a thousand times, you know, if they could do everything perfectly and gain ten strokes on every. That's it. And the other 154 might not all turn up. Yeah. They can't do it. They can't do it. It just doesn't happen. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, again, he had a chance. There, there was a, there was, I mean, I caught quite a bit of Sundays and I think it was around the 12th. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, and I think uh, Rory just slightly overdrew one again, which I, I think this week, for some reason, I think he's going to sort out. Um, so he's slightly, again, he's hitting them pin eye. But he's, he's either overdrawing them or leaving right, leaving them left. Um, and then Hovland, I think, was in the rough and he hit it to one foot. Um, and then you quickly switched to Scheffler uh, spinning back by too far, but holding the 12 footer or whatever it was, 15 footer. Um, and uh, who else was up there? Um, Fitz. Yeah, Fitz was up there and he, he sort of hit his 80 foot wide. And I just thought that was it. And I thought that, that in that whole one or two holes was it perfectly summed up all their all their seasons. The fact that Sheffler actually got that was the only thing that ruined it. because um, he normally misses it. If it had been half the half the um, length, of course he'd have missed it. But I thought that summed up quite a lot. And and uh, yeah, when Hovland went on to win it after that, I thought, yeah, you know, fair enough. Um they can all do it. You know, every single one can do it. Um Rory's been a disappointment. Look how many chances he's had this year to win to win enough. But his his 
although he's lagging behind Tita Green, um, I think Ryan Barroff put off a, 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 a graphic the other day. Um, Scheffler's like, you know, 100 miles clear. Um, but as we know, he's, you know, if you don't knock them in, there's no point. You, you can find as many greens in regulation as you want. Um, but if you're going to two-putt every single one and, and you know, somebody's going to knock in your 25-footer, you're going to get beat. Um, is what it is, isn't it? You know, but it, Scheffler's always had it. Tita Green, he, like we discussed last week or the week before, um, you know, he, he was he was a average putter at the beginning. Yeah. And you said to me, you said, has he has he got any worse? Um, he probably had a peak period. Yeah. Because um, obviously, if you can knock in fifteen footers while you're doing that Tita Green stuff, you'll win. Um, so maybe he had that peak period. I think Matt, it's your phrase, isn't it? When you regress to the regress to the mean, I know you like using that when some players come from nowhere and have a sort of freaky three months um yeah. and maybe that's what he's done and and any of these can hit 61 at the end of the day we've said it for years and years and years you know fee now can do it tom kim can do it anybody foul maybe not fleetwood uh <laughs> you know what i mean there's there's an awful lot of them that you can hit 61 on the final round hovland's been very impressive hovland is so progressive um and the way he's he's sort of gaining confidence he's, he's a very impressive player um, having said that, I don't fancy this week, but there we are. No, I think I think it's all nicely summed up, and and as you say, it is a regression. I think I think it be like people just forget that Scott Scheffler wasn't a good putter before; he was a good putter for five or six events in 2022, and that was about it, right? And you know that's when he won his events, and it was almost the same this season. He won two or three early, and and that was because he played well with the putter. You know, it just it just happens, and it's only getting exacerbated because Matt he's hitting the ball so much better than than he ever has really yeah and I, I think there's going to be a time when that regresses and um you know jason mentioned that i kind of been thinking that for a little bit but a lot of people um have kind of been arguing with me saying how scheffler is uh so much better than everybody else and like yeah this season he has been and but that strokes game the tee degree and the ball striking numbers that he's put forth is not going to continue forever like no no one's going to be prime tiger woods for five years at a time so the fact that he was able to do what he did this season and not capitalize by getting more wins, getting a major win. I think he's going to look back on that and say, damn, I should have done a little bit more with that run that I had. Um, Cause the putting, and that's kind of the reason why that he was in that hot stretch when he was winning the masters and all this stuff. I was kind of expecting him to kind of not win one of those because I was like, he's not going to make these 10 foot par putts forever. And he did it for a little while. And then, yeah. And, and then eventually that goes away and it did. And this is who he is now. Yeah, and I think like as as Jason points out, like Roy McIlroy will feel you know slightly disappointed with what he's done, but the difference with him is that he's gaining strokes for the putter in like ten straight events. Like he he is making the putts, it's just that he's not quite as dominant off the tee in, in approach. Um, but he's still that's why he's had top nine finishes in his last nine events with a win. Like he's just a really balanced all round game with a couple of weeks where he's lost around the greens. Interestingly, but um, yeah. Tom, you know, Tom, 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 sorry, Tom and, uh, and Matt. At what point does Scotty Scheffler phone uh, Lucas Glover up and say, "Where did you buy that putter?" <laughs> yeah, he probably should do it now. Well, I've turned off. Done it I think it's. I think it's a. Just, anyway, I can't have it. But um, no, but I, I do think, think that he'll do it. I think. I think the thing is, like, I don't necessarily love those putters. I don't. I don't see why that's not angering or whatever. But by the same token, if it's still within the rules of the game, then, then everyone can do it then why not um 
So, yeah, why would Scheffler not do that? The only thing with, with Scheffler is I don't know that he necessarily has the same kind of problems with, like, I don't know if it's more like reading than anything. Else. Like, doesn't, I know he hits a little bit of a hill and stuff like that. I don't know. It's, it's tough. I, don't, I just don't know if his is a different resolution. is. You never get in these people's heads, do you? It's probably more mental than anything else. But, yeah, um, yeah interesting enough. But those, those two will obviously... Um, be the main focus again at the Tour Championship this week. Uh, we'll recap Dan Brown's win as we come on to the DP World Tour in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Scotty Scheffler is 10 under. He was 10 under last year, didn't win. Uh, Roy McIlroy gave him, what, a six-shot head start at the start of the week and in the final round and still won it. Um, interestingly, I was reading some quotes and they said that Scotty Scheffler's wasn't a collapse. I don't know what else you call it. If you have a six-shot lead going into the final nine holes and uh, you don't win. I think that is a collapse, definitely. Um, but this time, I, I think with the Tour Championship, Matt, like, is it the only reason we've had some drama since the bonus strokes have been added? It's because of Rory McIlroy. Like, Patrick Cantlay and Dustin Johnson both meandered to victory, weren't the lowest scorers that week. Rory's coming from five and six back in the two times he's done it. Yeah, it's tough to say because it's such a little sample size, but Rory did it twice. I was on him both times. I think one was 10 to one, one was 11 to one. Um, but the other two, the favorites, you know, clearly won. And if you look back at last year, I mean, I completely forgot about this. Um, Rory triple bogeyed the first hole. So he's nine back <laughs> and he still manages to win by a couple. Uh, he was, he was, uh, eight back going into the weekend, something like that. Six back going into the weekend. So I do think it's possible to, for drama to be created here, but it all is going to depend on what the top guy does. Do I think it, this is probably the year where like does Scotty blow it to Rory two years in a row? Probably not. He probably gets it done here. Um, but I, I do think it's possible to get drama. I think people sometimes overrate the, that the starting strokes. Because um, if if Scotty shoots even par on round one and a couple guys shoot four or five under, then all of a sudden it's a it's a close thing going into the weekend. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I think Rory has been most of the drama so far. But it doesn't mean it can't come from somewhere else. Absolutely, Chase. You, I believe you were on Rory last year when we spoke about it. Um, just reading your preview as well earlier. I think you sort of talked about sort of the price he was last year, and obviously different prospects at six to one this year because he's only three back as opposed to six and five back. But kick us off why you think he he might win this again. Oh, seven to two with, with the with the strokes. I think he's um, I think he's one stroke away from being joint favourite in my own book. To be honest, I think if he was where Hovland was, I'd make him joint favourite with Scotty. I thought Scotty. Um, buckled under a bit of pressure from Rory last year. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I don't think he ever looked comfortable. Um, yeah, I, I just look at. I, I mean, for me, looking at uh, again, I'm, I'm looking at the, the uh, handicap. Um, I, I just you've got 500. You've got Lucas Glover, who I don't fancy at all here. John Rahm doesn't look particularly right at the moment, uh, or that interested. And that leaves for me, if you're going to get the number one and two and Probably three in the world. Is he three in the world yet, Hovland? Um, he's not. No, he's still he's just fifth, yet. I think. Uh, okay. Um, you, you, you're looking at the, you know, those three, you know, with, those, with that stroke advantage. I know three can be whittled away, but when you look at um, Roy McIlroy's course, I mean, it's, it's in front of you. When you look at his course record, you look at what he's doing, he's ranking second uh, tee to green anyway. Um, like I say, for me, he's only problem at the moment it's not distance but his only problem is that he's slightly overdrawn he hit one the other day and as soon as he hit it he said i think that's too much but it still went pin high and i think when you come here and you can you know you can find uh, you know i'm not a maths guy but 
you know, if you can find three quarters of a stroke, a stroke around just by um, just by adjusting, adjusting to that. He's one when it's rained here. He's one when it's been fast. Um, Hovland, I think, is a potential danger, but he has to recover from last week. I, I, I'd be very happy. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to look for uh, Rory against Scotty, 72-hole uh, match bets as well. Um, I, I'm pretty confident that, that McElroy does it again. Um, and 6-1 to one against the 7-2 with the start, I'm, I'm on at 7-2 and I'll be having him in each way doubles and everything. I, I don't want to be on anybody else. Yeah, I've, I've actually taken the other approach of backing him in that kind of without uh, starting shows market, just shooting the 72, lowest 72 hole score. I just think that I think he's the form player of the top three. He's the most obvious course candidate. I mean, interestingly, like Scheffler is, is a bit of a weird one here because he was second on debut uh, in terms of 72 hole scoring. And then he was 17th in 2021, but he was actually sixth after round one. And then last year he was actually the 54-hole leader, even in Simmons' two-hole strokes, and then just fell away. So it should be a good golf course for him. He just doesn't seem, maybe he just doesn't like that lead. Maybe he learns how to deal with that this time around, Matt. Um, I, I just think it's very it's very simple. Like, Rory's made up five and six strokes here in the past, and now he's only been asked to make up three. So I have, I've gone with the Simmons' two-hole scoring rather than, rather than with the strokes, uh, just because it's a little bit longer, but I'm happy with either. Yeah, to me, with the strokes is a better bet because he really only has two guys to beat instead of yeah, no, I get that thirty. But like you said, it's double the price. So I mean, I, I get not wanting to bet a four or five to one. So I, I, you know, that's what I'm not doing either. But um, devil's advocate here, I could, I, I'm hoping Rory doesn't win. Um, I think maybe we can get a chaser, or maybe it will be Scotty. But looking back, you know, I think the most important thing at Eastlake is hitting fairways. Looking back last year when he won. He he um, had gained strokes and fairways gained for six consecutive events. Uh, this year, coming into this event, he's lost in that category in three of his last five events, and it was a big problem for him last week. So if he doesn't hit the fairway, I think he's going to have a harder time, you know, doing what he did last year and in 2019 here. Yeah, no, I completely understand. I think it's just one of those ones where, and mine's not even a case of, like, I just want to double the value. I just think that he is the most obvious bet. I mean, him and Xander Schauffele are, are the two cause horses, right? Um, and... I just, I just think he's like even with that kind of tendency to miss the fairway at the moment, he seems to be probably the best of the three right now, uh, all round. So happy with that. Um, Jason said that he didn't fancy Lucas Glover at all, Matt. Whereas I did notice earlier in your preview that is someone that you think could could make up the deficit. <laughs> so did I. That's why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, it's not necessarily that I just think that he can do it. I just think in terms of value. He's one of the best on the board. He's starting at five under, right? No one who started four under or worse has ever won this. So if you really want to limit it to just those guys starting at four or better, then, you know, you can look at him. Um, you know, so the other guys who are starting at five, six under are all really, really short on the odds board. He isn't. And would it be very hard for him to do it? Sure. But he's still hitting the ball really well. He gained four strokes in approach last week. He lost it with the putter a little bit. Um, but he did do that prior to winning those two events too. And, there, you know, I think Eastlake has a couple of core similarities that I look at are one Wyndham Sedgefield, you get a Donald Ross design fast Bermuda greens. Luke, Lucas Glover wins there. Then you have uh, TPC um, uh, Southwind St. Jude, where more fast Bermuda greens. And it also has those Zoysia fairways that we talked about last time, which is kind of unique to that, that golf course. There's not too many on the PGA tour that do that. And you look at guys who have had success at both, 
Southwind and Eastlake, and there is a, a good amount of them that have. And I think that those Zoysia fairways are part of it. So the fact that he won there, um, you know, makes me think that this could be a good course for it, even though he hasn't really done it. He's only played, you know, a couple times in the past and hasn't done that great. Um, but I think if you're starting at five under, and hey, and these Cinderella stories, these things happen. Like, and I, I feel like I can almost envision this crazy story happening where he wins the Tour Championship. It's almost like a Billy Horschel thing, but he, but Billy Horschel was a little bit better that season, but um, and qualified for majors, so it isn't the same. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. It would just be hilarious as well for that kind of headache for the U.S. Ryder Cup team if he wins. Um, so well, yeah. it's less a headache because you, you got to give it to him. Well, I suppose that's true, but like I still feel like even if he wins it, people won't want him on the team. And like Zach Johnson's like buddy buddy with him, so he'll have to justify it double the amount, even though probably you just justify it for the fact you've won three times in however many starts. But um, yeah, I'm I'm going with Max Homer with the strokes. Um, he's at four under, so he's six back. I think I know a lot of people are going to Xander Schauffele at three under start. I think the four unders as far back as you can come. I think Rory's proven that uh, in the two times that he's done it. He needed a stroke of fortune to do it last year to come back from six strokes anyway. So I think this is really on the periphery. But really, Max Homer for me is just... I, I thought potentially he'd done what he was going to do for the season. Like when he when he missed... The, or he finished 55th at the PGA when I was on him. Uh, he then finished ninth at Colonial, but then went cut at the US Open, cut the Travellers. I kind of thought that was him done. 21st at Rocket Mortgage didn't really kind of strike anything in me, but then 12th at the Scottish Open, 10th for the Open, 6th for the Phillips and Jordan, 5th at the BMW Championship. He's just getting better every week. Uh, Score-wise, his approach uh, play has been good. His off the tee has been great for three events in a row now. Um, he's gained in seven straight. So I just think the monkey off his back with that top 10 in the major is a really big thing for Max Homer. And he was third here last year in terms of 72-hole scoring. And that was after a, a really mediocre start. I think he opened with a 71 and then shot 62 in the second round and then closed with two 66s. So for me, Max Homer is the one with the strokes that I think can uh, upset the apple quite a bit, Jason. Uh, slightly disappointed in him last week when he was up there. Um, yeah, potentially. Um, why not? Look, look these, aren't, these aren't crap, any of these guys, are they? No, um, there's a reason. Yeah, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue with it with, with anyone's, um, anyone's view. Um, I, I do think it's a huge task. I, I totally agree, Matt. And um, I'd be amazed if somebody from four under or less manages to win it. So it's not not for me. Um, but hey ho, you know, Fitz played brilliant last week, didn't he? He did. Um, you can't ask for for many more accurate players. Um, but it's it's. I, I mean, like I say. I'm one and done with Rory in this market and then perhaps different players in the other market just for each way value. But um, no, I, 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 not yet. No. No, fair enough. <laughs> you know, you used to do that thing where you, you who did you do it with Sky? We used to go down the list and go, blah, blah, no, blah, blah, no. Yeah, That's yeah. basically my answer. No, fair enough. Um, 72 hole uh, scoring, slightly different. Obviously, this is just your regular leaderboard. It's not accounting the strokes. It's who just shoots the lowest score. You can track it, um, and you'll find out at the end when there's two people with first place on OWGR, like John Rahm and Kevin Narwa one year. Um, really strange thing for that. But um, more standard story, 11-2, Scott Scheffler, 6-1, Rory McIlroy, 11-1, John Rahm, 12-1, Xander Schauffele, and it's 12-1, Hovland, 14-1, bigger the rest. I have gone one and done in this market, and I'm going with Russell Henley. Uh, he's finished third at East Lake before, 
He's just playing unbelievable golf. Uh, the one time I was really sweet on him was the Open Championship. I thought he was overvalued. Uh, he missed the cut there, but he's just been superb since second at Wyndham. Obviously, another Donald Ross course, sit for the FedEx St. Jude. Matt's already spoken about potentially those two correlating to this event. Um, and then eight for the BMW last week. His iron playing off the tee game is great. He's gaining strokes in all four categories in the last three events. So I don't really see a downside for Russell Henley right now, which is a dangerous place with someone like Russell Henley. But I know some people say like the motivation of trying to win a tournament that isn't really a tournament is is lacking, and I get that, but it probably benefits someone like Russell Henley who doesn't need to worry about being at the top of the leaderboard because he won't be uh, effectively. So I quite like the fact that he's uh, 28 to 1 each way in the 72 hole market. Brad agrees he's gone with Russell Henley, and he's also gone with Max Homer, Sung Im, and Sepp Stracker, which I do get the Stracker bit a little bit. He's obviously gone off the boil, but you know, almost a rank outsider in the field at 100 to one, um, with the Ryder Cup potentially on the on the horizon. I did I did see the the interest there. But Matt, I'll come to you for 72 hole scoring uh, picks. Yeah, so you covered one of them was Henley. Uh, the two that I jumped off the page to me were um, Henley and M. So I think those two guys. Both and you don't like him, really? And I don't. No, and but he's gotten progressively better over the last you know, four or five weeks. And he was second here last year in terms of 72 hole scoring. And the fact that, you know, so I, he hadn't great before that he's been all right, but the fact that he was second last year, now he's starting to play better, hit fairways. Um, I don't trust him. Like you mentioned guys who might not be able to win an actual event, but because they don't even know they're, they're winning the event and it might benefit them. He might be another one of those guys too, because he really hasn't gotten to contention all that much. So I would say him and Henley were the two that jumped out to me. Stryker one makes sense, too. I was tracking him for a bit over the weekend because um, I bet a matchup against him, um, and he was just putting everything to, like, five feet. So he does have that ability to just get crazy hot for a couple of days, like we we saw him do at the John Deere, obviously. But I think him and, um, and Henley are the two ones that jump out. Yeah, I genuinely think Henley is in a really good position to win that seems to hold scoring. And, look, him is definitely progressive. 14th, 6th, and 7th is last three starts. Um, I just... It's just something about him. I've just, I was really high. Maybe it's just because I was so high on him that I've gone the other way and it's a little bit volatile um, in the sense that I've just have given up on him a little bit. But as you say, Sepp Stracker finished with a 66 last week. Uh, impressive. Jason, your picks in this market? Yeah. If I do, it'll be Sam Burns. Uh, we've yeah. not much confidence, but but purely on the price. Uh, he admits he's had a pretty poor year despite winning the match play and. Uh, not putting up a bad defence at the Valspar, which isn't a horrendous comparison no. um, to this guy, to be honest with you. Um, it, it, it caught my eye, obviously. He tied the course record last week when he hit the third round 62 until um, uh, Hovland beat it on the final round. Um, and his figures got better. So he's been struggling really off the tee badly, um, despite the fact he was pretty shit off the tee at the Wyndham. He finishes 14th, which, you know, which brings in um, uh, Matt's uh, correlation. Yeah. Um, they're not horrendous. I mean, the season has been okay. I mean, he's, he's not done anything special. He's on the verge of making the Ryder Cup. Um, I just thought last week was a little bit more encouraging than what he's been doing. He is obviously Bermuda putting um, king, if you like. Um, I just thought the game came together. And I, I, it's purely you know, guesswork to say that because he eventually made the top 70, because he eventually made the top 50, these are things that that perhaps... Uh, prompted a little bit of improvement um, at Olympia. Um, that's Olympic. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's what it's based on. Um, and I just thought in a 30-man field, I, I'm happy enough to think that he can maybe nick, a, nick an each way. Obviously, we got the each way, as you, as you say, every week when yeah. you're doing your, your show. Um, the, other, the other point is if there's a top 10, very boring, very short, I might back Burns on the exchange or something and then look for a top 10 um, as a bet. But there's something there that I think he, he might be approaching he knows what he needs to do because it's Ryder Cup and he might be playing free now. So I don't think he particularly expected to be here. So, um, yeah, that, that was that was virtually based on price. Yep, I understand it completely. And look, I should probably be back in Homer in this market if I think that he can win the whole thing as well. Um, it's just that I can just have the 35 to 1 or 33 to 1 to get him to win the strokes and I'll just take that and, and hope for the best because um, you're going to get some each way value if he finishes in the top five, which I think is... A lot more reasonable. He's only one back of Lucas Glover to start. Um, Jason, I come to you first. Any more sort of closing statements on the on the tour championship before we move on? No, I think it'll be really, really dull over the weekend. Yeah, I think there'll only be two or three in it max, and uh, whoever's going to win it is just going to be dull. Um, but you know, if Rory's up there, then I'll watch it, and it'll be really exciting. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. No, I agree. Uh, Matt, anything else on the tour championship? Yeah, so a couple of things. First, I also bet Shoffley for the just to win. Um, thirty-five yeah. to one. It was on FanDuel, and no explanation really needed. That you probably see it everywhere. But his course history here is great. Has never finished worse than seventh in, in just the seventy-two hole strokes. So him at thirty-five, Glover at fifty-five for to actually win the Tour Championship. Yeah. I don't know if any any can actually happen. And then this him and Henley for the um, no strokes. Then also Scheffler on DraftKings. For those of you who have that was minus 180 for top American. And not that I love laying a minus 180, but it's almost, I don't see any scenario where he, where he isn't the top American unless it's like, well, the, you know, the, the, the only thing is if one of the two that we've put up is, is, you know, Homer or Shoffley that steal the win out of nowhere. Right. And so it's like, and if that does happen and, I, and I'm on, you know, Shoffley does it, I'm on him. I'm, ha- I'm happy to lose the minus 180 on for, for one bet, but yeah. a player, a player starting in the first position, we've done this four years has never finished worse than third. Right. And then the, the, the guys behind him, you have Rom, Hovland, Rory. So the top American minus 180. I mean, I hate to use the term free money, but it feels almost like free money. And, and the thing is like Scheffler should have won last year, finished second. And I'm pretty sure JT was poor. The, the year that he was leading it in 2019 and then and then finished third, right? Like he he wasn't good and still finished third. Yeah, and Scheffler was 16th um, in terms of 72 hole scoring and he still finished second. Yeah, no, it, it does seem pretty safe. Um, not a bet that I would generally place and not one that I don't think you would generally place, um, but it does make sense all the same. So look, that's probably more time than I thought I'd spend in the Tour Championship this week. It's just a really dull betting event, DraftKings event, whatever. I will watch it because it's PJ to walk off. Although, to be fair, I, it's bank holiday as well and I might have better things to do. So we shall see what happens with the Tour Championship. But let's go into the Czech Masters where there is a decent amount of Ryder Cup, Ryder Cup permutations at the moment. Uh, Daniel Brown, uh, Jason, runaway winner over the weekend at the ISPS Handler. Yeah, like we say. Um there's been uh, a few um, first-time winners. He was very, very impressive, wasn't he? especially in the front for so yep. long. Um, yeah, what can you do? Can't knock them. They're, they're there, aren't they? You just got to, you just got to get them at the right time. Um, the European Tour certainly, especially on the, the, you know, the weaker fields where maybe you've got four or five names, and then the rest are pretty much of a muchness. Um, 
it's a big chance, big chance for these people. And if you look at this week's market on uh, some of these names, um, yeah, they're a lot shorter than you would normally take. Um, well, they can, who knows? But yeah, it's, it's, it's a chance. Nick Batchen wins this year. Simon Forstrom has backed up his challenge tour wins down Bradbury earlier on. If anybody remembers that, Oki Strydon, believe yep. it or not, was actually this season. Um, you know, Dale Whitnell again uh, just justified some really good recent form. Damien Hillier. So it's it's all there. I mean, you know, they've all got. They're, they're not there because they can't play golf. Do you know what I mean? It's a matter of learning the process, and and there we are. But but put in front at such an early stage over that tournament and doing what he did was incredibly impressive and uh yeah it's uh it's well it's going to give him we'll see what happens I mean, we never know do we sometimes we see him win you never see him again yeah two think... years later they're on the challenge and that and you never ever see them again so we'll see but he's got he's got some decent um uh, lower division form um i think i put up jamie rutherford to be top 20 so actually was very close to him on form of course Rutherford blows out um, and Dan Brown goes and shits him, but you know that's life. Uh, yeah, what can you do? European tour, isn't it? Yeah, I think with Daniel Brown, like to your point, um, was just fortunate that his first chance of winning comes up against just a lot of really inexperienced players. I mean, Alex Fitzpatrick was impressive again after winning, finishes second here. Eddie Pepper has been out of sorts or in and out of his game. He was in third. Heller killed a nine neighbor have all got their own problems. John Parry. You know, whatever is John Parry um, and then you've just got some you know here or there kind of DP World Tour players I know you're on uh, Matthew Southgate finishing tied ninth but um, that was his first win at any level Daniel Brown um, which I thought was really impressive he's been he's been really solid like you said he's been the second a couple of times on the Euro Pro on the Challenge Tour but that is his first win um, so it, you don't know whether it is just a case of out of nowhere and not to be seen again I think when someone wins by five and, it, and they sort of go like wire to wire or whether it was wire to wire, but he was definitely up there for the whole week. Like people just assume they're going to go and win a hatful again. And it doesn't doesn't always play out that way. But it was progressive form, 17th for the Himalayan, 7th for the Barbasol first. So I mean, these, sorry, mate, I mean, I mean, again, you know, you'll be able to tell me more about the you know stuff on the Corn Fair and PGA. The problem, it gets your name in front. So you get more sponsorship. So you get more time to coach. You get more more people that are doing your life shit for you, yeah. which when you adjust to means that all you have to do is play golf. That's all you have to do in life. Um, and what, if you can adjust to that, then you will kick on, I think. Um, it must be a huge, huge, huge change in your life. Um, obviously, this isn't, you know, winning one of the, the great um, you know, PGA tours or, or, or Wentworth or anything like that. But, it, it you know, it does bring your, your name to so many more people and um, you get so much more interest and in how you develop from that. I mean, look, at, you talked about Alex Fitzpatrick earlier on. Um, you know, obviously, he's got his, his um, brother, et cetera, and his family. But again, it's how you handle that. I mean, he's doing fantastically and he'll win soon. Um, but it's, it's that phase of doing what you do. So he's won the tournament and he slept on the lead twice and he's done a fantastic job. And now it's how what happens now he could leave any of his old form behind and he'll never ever see it again um depending on how he reacts to, to the new attention yeah no completely agree look we, we saw of you and ferguson last year some of these players can really kick on from from a win and you know he did it the guitar and then came here and won this last year he he hadn't won on the challenge tour before then so you know they, they can win out no alex was actually like you say winning that british challenge a couple of weeks ago and then coming here and and um, you know, finishing second really impressive. And 
that was off the back of finishing 17th for the Open Championship. So it's a, a hell of a run for uh, for someone that isn't really able to operate without the pressure on him. Like he is expected to be good, even though it's literally based on the fact that his brother's good, right? Like I know he's had a decent college career and an amateur career, but it's not one that would necessarily spring him into superstardom. It's just, you know, you've got the second name Fitzpatrick, you're expected to be good and he's living up to it so far. So that's really good to see. Um, I wonder if Matt Fitzpatrick's trying to get him onto the Ryder Cup team. I don't think that's going to happen. But um, Ryder Cup chat, Matt, will bring you in for this because this is a good time to, to bring you in for the, the Czech Masters. The favourites this week, Shane Lowry at 12, oh, 13 to 1, Adrian Ronk 14 to 1, Ludwig Aberg 14 to 1, Nikolai Hoygaard 16 to 1, Adrian Dumont de Chassart at 20 to 1, and Robert McIntyre at 25 to 1. Every single one of those, all six of those players, are either in the Ryder Cup team or on the fringes. First question, how many of those six do you think will get in? And second question, if one, if you don't think someone's going to get in, what do they have to do over these next two weeks to get in, I guess? Well, yeah, I think four are, I mean, if you look at the odds, you get the eight that seem pretty much guaranteed, including Rose and Lowry. Yeah. Right. So, and then if you look at the odds, it kind of goes next is... Um, Moronk seems like, based on the odds, he's a lock, especially considering he won there this year. It makes a lot of sense. Um, so there's another another one who's a pre- pretty much a guarantee. So you've got Lowry, you've got Lowry that's in. McIntyre is currently in on European points. Uh, and then Moronk, as you say, is the, the kind of shortest of those that isn't in. So that kind of, if you think those three are going to stay, well, Lowry is going to, let's say, two with uh, Moronk and McIntyre. It's whether one of the three in Aberg, Hoygaard, or Demond de Chassart are going to get themselves into the team. Yeah, so right now Aberg is minus 200 to get in. Um, and then um, Chassart is like plus 250. And um, Rasmus three. is... It's Nikolai Hoygaard that's three to one. Rasmus is shorter. Um, exactly, yeah. He was like plus 110. So, I mean, it has to come from one... So one of those guys is going to make it. There's, um, It's going to be one of those four. Most likely it's going to be Aberg, just based on the odds. And I think... I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it was the hype that made him definitely in or the fact that the Hoygaards have really struggled in the PGA Tour against top competition. Um, but I think he's the most likely to be in. But and that, kind of what I wanted to ask you guys was, it almost feels like people betting think, oh, this guy needs to win to get in the Ryder Cup. Therefore, he has a good chance of winning, where I think it's more like the opposite. Yeah, like I'm personally not going to bet Ludwig but one, because I don't want to bet him at 14 to 1 as a, a second favourite in the field, he was 12-1 to to start the week. And two, we saw at the Scottish Open when the spotlight was on him the most, he missed the cut. And every single time, really, that he's got himself into the mix, he's faded. Like, there's just no two ways getting about it. He was, he was a solid 25th at the, at the Canadian Open, but was never in contention. He was 24th at the Travelers' Championship, but he was actually 10th at the halfway mark. He was 40th at the Rocket Mortgage, but he was third at the halfway mark. He was fourth at the John Deere, but he was actually fifth after 36 holes and then shot a 71 to fall to 23rd and then shot a Sunday 63 when the pressure was off. Missed a cut at the Scottish Open. 3M Open, he finishes 64th after being 22nd at the halfway. And then he was 14th at the Wyndham when he was second at halfway, shot the 71 on Saturday. So there's no getting away, Matt, from the fact that every single time Aberg's been under pressure, he's... And look, before people think I'm shitting on somebody that's just come out of college and he's playing what he's like 10th PGA Tour event he is clearly still learning yeah he's not ready but I think 
I don't think he's a bad pick for that last spot just because you're looking for a ceiling and none of the other guys have really separated themselves. Um, but with that being said, I don't think, you know, I'm definitely not interested in him this week. No, Johnny, sports on, on those same sort of questions to you on those kind of six guys and who's going to be a factor, you think? Mm. I, think I think Moronk and Nikolai very much deserve to be in the side. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's for me anyway. And I think they're so closely tied up this week. Um, I've had trouble splitting them, to be honest with you. This is perfect for them. It's, it's actually perfect for Aberg as well, but because of obviously the winning form and the and the the, the um, experience in conditions and on this tour and the relative form that that I've put up between sort of the Irish Open, um, Dubai, Qatar, Abu Dhabi, that type of that type of um, event, which correlates with an awful lot of the last winners. I think those two. Um, obviously, you've got the Italian form as well. Um, anywhere where you can absolutely hit the ball and and exploit that after that. Is Moronk and Nikolai down to down to a tee? Um, I slightly favour Moronk this week, um, but yeah, I, I think there is a lot in it. I think if they're up there and they start interviewing them as they're walking down the 16th fairway, yeah. um, start asking them about the Ryder Cup, you know, which I, I personally think is shit, but you know, there we are. Um, that's the interviewing, not the Ryder Cup. Um, <laughs> but but everything else about them is is so blatantly obvious for this week, but it could be Italy. As I say, it could be, a, you know, a, a considerably poorer than usual Dubai Desert Classic. It could be Qatar. It could be Abu Dhabi. And those two, again, would stand out, in my opinion, for the task that's ahead. So I'm struggling. and I don't really want to bet at that prices, which is why they'll both go in as an each-way double with Rory. Um, yeah. And I'd expect to collect something. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think both of those deserve to be in. That's that's it. I, I I'm a big fan of McIntyre, as as you know, and I know he's pretty much in. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested to see how he reacts actually when he's under the cosh. I, I, I think he's in the worst position possible mm. because he's in, but he knows he's just missed the cut. Okay, look, he was brilliant at the Scottish Open. There's no denying how good he was, and I think that performance probably just got him in, even if he goes on to fall out, but he, he basically he didn't miss the cut at the British Open, but he wasn't he wasn't far off. He, he finished 71st and was never higher than like 60th. And then missed the cut last week after being 16th after round one. He's got that unique thing where like he's got to play well enough just to stay in that European points list, but he's not got the kind of motivation that people like to say to kick on and win it. Um, and actually, you might have to play a little bit cautiously if, if there's water about and things like that, because he can't afford to lose points. So whereas someone like Nikolai Hoygaard knows he's got to, you know, win, he's, he's he's not getting in on points anyway. So he knows he's got to really have an impressive win. I don't think he's got to win to get in, but I think he's got to have a really good fourth, fifth, sixth place finish and play well next week to get the pick, uh, regardless of whether, like you, I agree he should be in it. Um, I think he has to do something. So his his back is against the wall, and I think he'll relish that. Whereas McIntyre is in this weird position where he's in, but potentially doesn't deserve it yet. So it's it's a tough one. Um, I obviously I I feel a little bit the same about Shane Lowry. Like I don't I don't actually necessarily think I know a lot of people are pointing to data golf numbers and things like that in terms of strokes gained, but I've not been impressed with Shane Lowry at all this season. He's had he's had one top ten finish since he won at Wentworth last year. Um, 
I don't think that's good enough for someone that is a major and a WGC winner. I think I think the standards are pretty low if we're if we're happy with just the top twenties in majors that he's been he's been putting together. Fine, it's been it's been consistent, but finishes like this of what he was twenty eighth when when he was actually in contention at Abu Dhabi fell away, miscut at the dividers and close up, miscut at the Phoenix and fourteenth at Riviera, fifth at Honda, and you think okay, Shane Lowry's kind of back. 67th at the Bay Hill, 35th at Players, poor match play, 16th at the Masters, 67th at the Heritage, miscut, 12th at the PGA, 16th at Memorial, 43rd at the Canadian. Like, I don't see why this guy is just a lock. He wasn't. It's not like he's a, a Ryder Cup legend. He's played once, and I think he got one point. Like, I know that the team was bad, but like, it's really think- interesting. To do you not think that sometimes uh, you just think of it? They're thinking about personality. You, yeah, you just, absolutely. Just because what, what else is it? <laughs> how many how many live players would you put in the Ryder Cup team? European live players. Uh, what based on actual ability? Yeah, based on how they're playing now. Uh, I don't think there is anyone. Is there really? Like Sergio would be the closest. Isn't Porter a Ryder Cup legend? He is, but he's not playing great, is he? Uh, Finished second last week. He was, yeah, he played well last week. Yeah, close. yeah like, yeah, no, it's a, yeah, exactly. But, but there yeah. we are. It's, it's what would, what would Porter, for example, he's not bring to a team in terms of experience, in terms of geeing them up, in terms of getting them going, in terms of um, uh, bonding. That, that some of these that look like they're going to be in the team just won't. Yeah. No, I, look, I agree with it's you. It's more a team event, isn't it? It's, it's you can yeah. find something at the Ryder Cup that you can't find anywhere else um, because of the nature of the of the um, of the event, and and therefore, yeah, if personality does come into it, then I think we're lacking a little bit. Yeah, no, look, I think I think with someone like Poulter, the problem he's had is the last couple of times he's been picked for that reason, he's not been very good. Uh, I don't think he was yeah, good in yeah. 2018 or 2021, right? So, like, I think him personally but the the overriding point i agree with and i think i think that's why shane larry will get in and he is in uh, as far as i know because the personality and the people like him and look his best golf is really good but i just don't feel that confident about him um so i would love to see one of these kind of hoy guards or moronks really step over the next couple of weeks so we've got someone that we feel really good about going into it as one of these wild card picks um so that's the overriding thought. And neither have played particularly badly in America, have they? Um, I know, obviously, we're over in Italy, but neither of them played particularly badly in America. Um, and they're getting there. They're, they're slowly progressive, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I perfectly agree. I'd much rather take a chance on one of those two. Yeah, no, agreed. Matt, you're going to say something there? Yeah, last thing about that, those those live guys, and I know people won't like this, but, I mean, Stenson's playing pretty good. He was great at the Open. If you could put him and Rose back together it, again. because I, I mean, I He's literally the one that has got less than less than a hundred percent like he's the worst possible he lost the captaincy like he's yeah no, i mean i'm not saying there's no chance it could ever happen in no, no, no. Year. but i would like to see him and rose play together and yeah. the one that's i don't think they, they can even be picked anymore because they, they don't have the card but like sergio and rom they got you four points in an absolute oh, ask two years ago rom was literally outspoken saying he wanted to play with sergio like that's why i think he's the only one that if they were going to make an exception for someone it would be him because rom is so strongly advocating for him and there's only two players that have got more riding cup appearances than sergio and it's nick faldo and lee westwood so like can they even pick them though i don't think so 
I don't know. I think they'll find a way if, like, if they really wanted to. But they don't want to. They don't want to, do they? They don't want the headache. Um, let's go on to the picks for, for the actual week itself. I'm starting with someone that isn't actually going to be in this discussion for this Ryder Cup team, but I wouldn't be entirely surprised if there was one in the future he wasn't in with. Antoine Rosner is 35 to 1 um, each way. You can get 33 to 1, seven places is probably better. I oh, know there isn't eight places, 35 to 1. So 35 to 1, eight places with Antoine Rosner. He just has that. I mean, look, I don't think there's an event that's ever correlated so well to driving distance ever. Like, I know sometimes we say we want big hitters, but like literally you look at this and it just says driving distance and they play well. Go on, Jay. Oh, I was going to say European Open. is, is the, I Yeah, think yeah, fair enough. Anyway. Yeah, like I, I think, but like literally I've never seen it where you just go, okay, well, if you are in the top of the driving distance stats, you're going to finish inside the top 10. It doesn't matter what else you do, because that's what that's been the case since 2018. Every single person that's led the driving distance stats has been inside the top eight. So... That in itself is great. Um, Rosner doesn't, he isn't the biggest hitter. Like he's not the overall, like this Wilco 9 Able or whatever. But he is the guy that I think blends the driver the best in the sense that he's got some, a little bit of finesse with it, a little bit of accuracy that some of the others maybe lack. So that with the fact that he led the tees green and approach here um, last year, despite finishing 13th, who knows what would have happened if he could have. Um, you know, if he could have played the extra round, like he got halted after 54 holes, didn't it? So I think that in itself is is pretty impressive. And I just I just really impressed by him. He's a three-time winner on a DP World Tour, someone I don't normally go to because I think he's a little bit short in the betting. But this time, I think because we've got some of these players who I don't think actually will be a factor like Shane Lowry, um, I think you've got a boosted thing. Like he was 20th last time out of the Open. He was fourth after round one and round three. Like I was really impressed with Anton Rosner. So... He is my first pick, followed by the person I said that is just the pure distance, and that's Wilco Nineaber, who twice he's played here. He's been first in strokes gain off the tee and second in strokes gain off the tee uh, in his two starts. He was 51st on debut, but he was actually 14th after two rounds. And then he was eighth last year, where he bounced back from a really slow round one to, you know, post a week to weekend 67. So for me, Wilco Nineaber is uh, a great pick. He is someone that we are worried about whether he can win, but I think the each way value is there still. So yeah, Rosner and Nine Avers kick things off for me. Jace, your first selection in the Czech Masters. Yeah, if you ignore uh, Moronk and Nikolai in the each way double, yeah. um, I looked at Alexander Bjork, but I, I just can't. I don't think he's long enough. Um, it's Kelly Samoa. At, uh, is he 90? I've lost my uh, odds checker. Let's have a look. Um, William. Actually, help me out there. Um, very difficult to read. Uh, Brad likes there's him. A, there's so. 125 to one about him, Jess. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, Brad. I said Brad likes him. I don't know if he's put him up this week. Um, obviously, nicked the Porsche European Open that final round 64. But yeah. I love the European Open um, thing. That's uh, um, you know really favours long hitters. You've got Will Bessling in second, Victor Perez third. Uh, sorry, yeah, Victor Perez tied with Richard Mansell third. So um, there's your your long hitters. Paradise. Um, over the last three months, he's second for Greens in Reg. I think he's top 15 or thereabouts in Greens in Reg for the season. Um, I like the fact, well, I don't like the fact that he's, he's missed a load of cuts. Um, <laughs> he, um, but the cuts that he has made in his best performances, ninth in Italy, which links in Moronk and uh, Nikolai Hogard, um, and he's also a driver's course, fourth in Denmark, which is a really difficult 
um, driver's course as well. So I don't mind the fact because he can miss two cuts at um, Scandi Mix, he misses it at the Belfry, then he comes out and does the fourth. So he's clearly just a man for, for certain conditions. Um, and like I say, I, I, I love the fact that, that his correlative, correlative form is perfect for a track like this and ties in with an enormous amount of winners. If you want to go back, third at Qatar, fourth at Dubai, does a classic, um, 12th in the same thing. Uh, ninth in Scotland, which links him with a couple of these. Um, yeah, you know, you can go on and on and on. Where he does turn up links perfectly with this week. And if you can get under 25 to 1 just because he's missed a couple of cuts when, it, you know, he's not the greatest player in the world. Um, he'll win his turn. And this, these are the conditions to get him. So, yeah, perfect. I'll have a bit of that. Yeah, nice. I I had Sean Crocker as my... 80 to one selection here in, in my sort of third slot who has now withdrawn, which is devastating considering the way that he's been playing and the fact that he's a perfect course, but he's already been second here in the past. Um, so my next man up is Louis Diego, who just going purely on that driving distance, he's, he's right up there, top 10 in the, in the tour in driving distance. Last year, he was third here, ranked third in driving distance, fourth off the tee. And crucially, he was great as well with passing. He was second. Uh, in strokes game putting as well best finish outside of africa is this third place here last year he's never finished better than that outside of mauritius or south africa um so it's clearly the golf course for him we know he can win tournaments he's done it five times on the sunshine tour he's not this you know young player that i think a lot of people are going to be targeting because they're all big hitters but he is ultimately a big hitter and that is all that matters so um really happy with him trying to kind of find someone to replace that Sean Crocker there was a couple of names that I liked Henny Duplessis uh flashed up <laughs> on the on the strokes gained uh off the tee metrics um but other than that I don't really know how much I I love his game so he was there he was one of the ones I thought about JC Ritchie has been finding some form he's 150 to one David Rivetto is a good driver of the golf ball 150 to one um, so they could be a couple of candidates or you could go to the Eddie Pepperell who's got great course form who, who played well last week it's just every time I think Eddie Pepperell is a good bet he isn't um, he seems to be that one that kind of plays uh, when you least expect him to but looking at Pepperell's record here fifth 22nd miscut fifth ninth miscut eighth so um, four top 10 finishes in seven starts suggests that he should play well here off the back of a third place finish uh, at the ISPS handed last week. So Pepperell could be in the mix. Matt, I know you're not obviously a massive DP World Tour follower, but any of those names kind of catch your eye or someone that you might know a bit more about from the PJ side of things? Yeah, I mean, I got, um, just doing a little research before I came on here, I got four guys I was looking at. And nice. a lot of that is, a lot of it is based on, I mean, I'm a gambler. I can gamble on anything. <laughs> Uh, give me 10 minutes to research a, a horse race and I'll tell you, you know, when the horse took a dump last, but, um, so the guys I was looking at was one, my guy Thunder Bear. I know he hasn't played since the open, which is a little concerning, but in terms of course fit, he seems like he makes like a lot of sense. Yeah. Has he, has he played at all since the open? No, but this, it was only last week. It was the first DP world tour event since the open. So, so no one really has. So no one has. The 33, I thought might've been a little better, but. I mean, do you think this is something he can win? Yeah, I think Olsen can win anything. And to be honest, I I thought he was the one at the start of the year. I bet him at 14 to 1 has made a Ryder Cup team uh, when he was looking close to winning. And then he won. And I thought I was cashing my money. And then he's done nothing since. But 
I think he can. I say nothing since like that's really harsh considering he was third at the Sedal Open, which is another one that is a driver's paradise. So could be onto something with him. If he won, could he get on? Yeah, because I think that they want people that have played well at the Ryder Cup. Like, I think that's why him and Norin are in the betting. Like I don't think either of them at the moment have done enough, but especially like if Norin plays next week, I don't know if he is, but like he, I'm pretty sure he likes Crans. Like I could see one of those two getting a pick based on. I think it would have been him and like Thomas Peters that would have been out there, and Peters has obviously blown his chance. So um, yeah, he's someone that there's definitely a wild card for it. All right, so there you go. Allison is my first pick. Um, I'm going to bet these two because I just I, I bet everything I say because I'm not yeah. uh, I, I like to you know be consistent. Wilco, I love that pick. Um, you know he se- he seems to be relatively popular. Makes a lot of sense. He was good here last year. Um, he absolutely bombs the ball. So f- is he 40? Is that what you guys got? You can get 50 still on Wilco nine over, but 40 generally of the eight places is probably the best value. Okay, so yeah, those two I like a lot. And then I was looking at Norgard. He is um, right now fourth in driving distance on the European Tour. Um, he's been playing pretty well. I've seen his name pop up a bunch lately. Um, it seems like the Danes kind of have played well at this place as well. Yeah, he's been he's been really consistent, Norgard Muller, who's someone that struggles with consistently because his game is pretty much driving and that's it. But like he led the Scandinavian mix after round one, finished 21st uh, there, and then he was 10th after round one at the BMW International Open, faded, but then bounced back nicely in the third round. Um, he was seventh at the British Masters, but he was a 54-hole leader. Uh, 35th and 33rd after that. So he's been really solid. Um, the last time we saw him was the Barracuda, which he didn't make the cut in, but he played well at the Barbasol the week before. So, um, yeah, I think he's got all the assets, especially we're talking about, I think it's him, Nine Neighbor, Del Rey, people like that. Nick Backham earlier, Jason reference, like people that are just purely big drivers of the golf ball have got to be considered. Yeah, and then I was looking at a similar mold, Matty Schmid at 60 to 1 who is he was eighth in 2022 in driving distance on the european tour he's playing pretty well lately he played at 3m open i think finished 22nd played Wyndham, finished 20th um so in those types of fields playing that well and he has a skill set um so i think he kind of made sense at 60 to 1 is what i saw yes he there is a 70 to 1 here so you can have you can have 10 points more there you go so those those are the four you got olison wilco nor norgard moller and schmidt yeah, pepper in that mid-range, I like that. I mean, I've gone with a slightly different approach and taken a couple of nearer the top um, and then a couple of long shots. I do think one of those, um, potentially between Schmid, uh, Pepper or Norgard Moller, should probably take place of Crocker for me, and I'll figure that one out. But the names have been given here by you anyway, so for the sake of the podcast, we'll take those. Uh, you know what? It, would, it would be great, my first ever European Tour show I've ever done, to hit a winner. You know you'd have to come on every week again then. Which, yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, I do like David Rivetto. He's playing some good golf. Uh, 24th at the Himalayan, uh, 9th at the Barbasol, where he's 7th after 54 holes. Disappointing miscut last week, but not putting too much stock into that event um, based on, you know, just a bit of a weird weather week, weird links golf is not for everybody type thing. Uh, Jace, any more names for you in the Czech Masters? Um, yeah, I quite like uh, Shavadin Sebastian Soderberg. Um, mm-hmm. 10th of the Barracuda last time played pretty well in Scotland until the final round uh, three rounds 68 in sub um, we back in Soderberg 100 times haven't we we have um, in the past got 64 round here um, yeah again again his uh, his you know best form of the year fits in reasonably well um, in South Africa and again in Italy which I'm hoping turns out to be some sort of thing because I'm 
quite banking on that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Soderberg, whatever he is, 80, 90 to 1, something like that. See. I like the David Rivetto call. He was one of my 12s follow at the beginning of the year. Um, again, where he can open up, he's going to be his best. We said it before we came on, I think he's pretty clueless. Um, <laughs> but then I personally think somebody like Wilco Nineaber is as well. Yes. I, I, I've got him in my list. I had Nineaber in, in the top 10 and then I narrowed him down. Um, I didn't want to bet 40, 45 personally. Um, uh, and I think Rivetto is just as clueless and just as long. So he'll do it more than double the price. Uh, but just going back on Ollison, interestingly, um, yeah, certainly class-wise, um, I don't think we ever know where Ollison is with his game, to be honest. But he's got so much back form that, that he's you know, obviously got all that desert form, which links him perfectly. Um, and if you go to uh, Andre Pavan, who what turns up twice every 10 years or something, doesn't he? Yeah. Andre Pavan. You know, that he's got the links and he's got the Rocco Forte form. And, um, yeah, so is um, the mighty uh, uh, Thunder Bear. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't mind him at all. But, yeah, I'm going to go... I'm going to go long this week on on the Samoa Soderberg and uh, Rivetto. Yeah, no, I like it. I mean, Soderberg, I think, will be a popular pick next week, regardless what happens this week, because he's obviously won at Crans, isn't he, where he famously beat uh, Roy McIlroy. That was Soderberg, right? Sometimes I get my Swedes uh, mixed up. It was, yeah. yeah. Pretty sure it was him. Um, yeah, I th- I'm really struggling. I think it might be it might be Norgard Moller. It might be. Um, might be the one that I kind of put in place with Sean Crocker. I, I mean, I was just so happy with Crocker. Like, it's just really blown me for six that he's decided to pull out. Um, but I think that's it. He done it before, before on you, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Every yes. single time I think he's going to win, he pulls out. So maybe he just uh, maybe he listens to the show and doesn't have any expectations. <laughs> it could be. He was meant, he was scheduled to come on at one point. So maybe that's what it is. He listens in and goes, oh, fuck that. They like us. I'm out. Um, potentially. I got one guy. You can tell me why it makes no sense. Okay, go. Oliver Becker, 200 to 1. Uh, he's about 400 years old. Apart from that, he's all right. I'd look, he's only 38. There you go. Yes. Only 38, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think when you take when you take um, away the top 12, 14, something like that, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think you can find something here. But I think it depends on your lead-up. I think you're right, Matt. I think if you look at the form on the lead-up and then you come to a – an event like this where you can just free to to smash it around. Um I think any long hitter can be can be fancy. As long as they're showing something. Something I think, I think that's the problem with Becker is like not showing he's, he's not, not showing anything, is no, he? Literally, literally nothing. He got his like, win, didn't he? And then buggered off again. Yeah, yeah, he's missed seven of his last eight cuts. So that that would be why he can't win Matt. Um not that he's yeah. thirty nine because yeah, thirty eight. Yeah. For me, for me yeah, I think you're right. I think if it if it has shown anything in Italy or or in um at, uh, Green Eagle, then I think you know, yeah, you can ignore the miscuts at Belfry and stuff like that. Um, but there's nothing there, is there? I think the other one that's of slight interest, um, you know, Sky brought him up on on the show that I do with him is Dan Bradbury. Is he's really good off the tee, um, seventh and fourth in two of his last three starts and strokes going off the tee. And he was 10th at the Sadao Open, which is open up and hit it your best. But he was also 8th at the British Masters, which requires a little bit more finesse. Uh, he was 43rd at the BMW International Open, which is solid enough. He's already won this season. Um, he was 8th at the halfway mark at the KLM and finished 29th. So maybe Dan Bradbury's got a little bit about him. He obviously missed the cut last time we saw him at the Open Championship, but I'm not going to hold something like that against him. Um, yeah, he, he's of interest as well. But... Just naming names now. Uh, I'm going to stick to the kind of core people that I've got. 
is that everything gents we're we're right on the the hour mark which is a, is a pleasing result um anything else to add jason on either of the two events no actually it's not a, now he's talking through them i'm not that i'm quite looking forward to it now yeah uh, <laughs> i wasn't necessarily before but yeah it's fine it's no, uh, good. That's what, that's what we aim to do, and hopefully everyone else is listening to it feels the no, same way. No, otherwise, got to sleep. <laughs> otherwise, we wasted an hour of our time, haven't we? Uh, especially with Matt, who's actually joining and listening to the DP World Tour and, and contribute where he has. But thank you, Matt, for, for doing yeah, the for the research that you've done. Um, yeah, he loves it. it the, the research that he's done for those DP events uh, on top of the Tour Championship. Matt, any closing thoughts on the uh, the events? No, I have a great feeling. I think we're going to hit a winner here on the, on the DP World Tour. Yeah, I do as well. I think somehow, I mean, we've picked... 30 people between us so let's hope that uh that someone gets over the line but let's summarize our picks so matt i'll come to you first for your tour championship picks uh with with the starting strokes i am on xander 35 to 1 and lucas glover 55 to 1 without i am on sungjay at 28 and henley at 33 yeah and the same to you jason for the tour championship uh, roy mcelroy with the strokes wins no problem um yeah. I haven't backed Burns yet, to be honest with you. I'm still looking, but if there's anyone, it will be him in the, in the uh, without strokes. Yep, absolutely. I am on Max Homer uh, with the strokes. I think he's just about as low as you can go, 33 to 1 uh, to do that each way. And I'm also on Roy McIlroy uh, in the 72 hole market, as well as Russell Henley uh, at 28 to 1. So 6 to 1 for Roy McIlroy, 28 to 1. Uh, for Russell Henley. Uh, there is a 30 if you want to kind of take four places and be really confident on him. Um, Brad's gone with Max Homer in the 72 hole market, 18 to 1. Sungjae Im at 22 to 1. Uh, Russell Henley, 28 to 1, same as me. And then Seth Stracker, 100 to 1 in the Tour Championship, 72 holes. I will kick us off on the Czech Masters, otherwise I'll forget who it is I've actually bet. Um, Antoine Rosner at 35 to one, Wilco Nineaber at 50 to one. I think I'm gonna. I think you've kind of led me to that Nicholas Norgard Moller at 50 to one, Matt. Um, I'm then gonna round it off with Louis Diega, who is now available at 125 to one, eight places. Matt, your picks for the Czech Masters. Yep. So I actually just submitted them as we speak. So I'll tell you the actual numbers I got. I bet uh, Olison, uh, 34 to one. I got uh, Norgard Moller at 50 to 1, um, Nina uh, Wilco at 40 to 1, and then Maddie Schmidt at 75 to 1. Yeah, good. All, all competitive numbers, all pretty similar to what we've got over here in the UK, which is always nice to see. Um, actually, Schmidt is, is slightly bigger than the best we can get over here, which was 70 to 1. So nice bet there. And then, Jason, your picks for the Czech Masters, please, mate. Uh, trying to thieve some money with a McElroy, Aronk uh, Nikolai across doubles. Um, and then on the each way market, Sebastian Soderberg. Uh, what is he? I, I'd say I've lost my. Uh, he is. He's I've, 90 I've, to one, Soderberg. Yeah, I've, I've, I had to take eight because he's the only place I can get on. Yeah. Um, Samoa. Um, I will back at one, uh, uh, three figures, and yeah. uh, Rivetto uh, top twenty. Yeah, 125 to one for Samoa, 150 for yeah. Rivetto as well. Um, yeah, he's going top twenty. I'm not backing Rivetto each way. I'll just not not each way. I'll, I think he's I think he is worth an each way. Like if anyone's out there listening is is unsure, I, I would prompt you towards that each way. I think he can land in those eight places. And your invoice to Tom Jacobs, Carol. Exactly that. Words. Yes, okay. and it's a loss of words at we're not going to pay that dot com, and we'll see what happens. Um, gents, thank you very much as ever. 
Um, great to have you both in the same podcast. We don't obviously do this normally. We do two separate shows. So good to bring the Lost Words family together uh, for a show. We're looking forward to having Brad back next week as well. Um, whether I can remember what events we've got next week is, is different. We've got the, have we got anything on the PJ Tour? Does it start straight away, Matt? Nope, no, nothing until the uh, Fortnite, I believe, is Fortnite. Okay, cool. So nothing on the PJ Tour. And then we've got Kranz uh, on the DP World Tour, which is actually my favorite, probably one of my favorite events of the year, the, the Omega European Masters, uh, best views in golf. So looking forward to that one. And the fact that it's only one event makes the podcast even easier. So looking forward to that week. Gents, thank you very much. Good luck with your bets. And I look forward to catching up with you soon.